Welcome to On the Bobble Podcast, Episode 8. I'm your host, Subasa J. Weda, and with me is my co-host, Yuki Lee Bender. Today, we're going to talk about our experiences at Canadian Nationals. But before we go into that, let's do our question of the week. So this week's question comes from Jacob Briggs uh, commenting on YouTube for the first time. Thank you. <laughs> what do you think are the pros and cons of having three or four heroes in a draftable set? Do you have a preference? And do you think we'll ever see a different number of heroes in a draft set? I think that three or four doesn't matter to me so much as it feels like a lot of the other sets, the heroes have like more equal overlap. Um, and I, I kind of prefer that. Like Arya, they all share two of the talents. So there's quite a bit of overlap between them. And then even if you look at something like like Monarch has two light heroes, two shadow heroes, um, and even something like Arcane Rising, which doesn't have talent, sort of has like, I don't know, like Azalea and Viscerai share the like non-attacks that increase your damage. And Dash and Azalea both kind of want like top deck manipulation. And so does Kano. So there's like certain themes that kind of overlap between the heroes and makes for like good flexible generics that you want in not every deck but in multiple decks and i think that's really cool whereas uprising i think is a little bit in my eyes a little bit more awkward just because icelander doesn't have any overlap with phi and dromai and even though phi and dromai share draconic they don't really necessarily want all of the same draconic cards except for I guess Blaze Headlong exactly. So I wish there was more overlap between the heroes and more kind of like common themes and and flex cards that fit in like two of the three decks, but not the third kind of thing. I think that's kind of missing in Uprising. Yeah, I think for me, uh, I do like the overlap as well. But I think once in a while, the uprise sets like Uprising is fine, where it's a little bit more clear which cards each hero wants, and I think it's better for like newer players trying to get into the game when it is so basically straight up in your face of which cards you want for which heroes but definitely for the more experienced players i think it's way better when there are overlaps and where you can pivot more often starting with like five generics and then not even know which hero you are until like pack two that's actually a pretty cool dynamic you can have in like wtr and arc yeah i think i agree with you it's a fair point that it's like quite straightforward to draft uprising i think that may be another thing that could have improved the format is just more generics that are just really good like wtr just had some like sink below and unmovable and snatch and has like a bunch of cards that are just good in every deck and i think if uprising had even just a few more of those generics that just felt just always good um it might help just give people a little bit more time to pivot. Um, I, I, the biggest thing I don't like about Uprising is that you kind of need to lock in super, super early. And yeah, the lack of flexibility does it. So maybe if finding some way to, to do that would help. What do you think about seeing a different number of heroes, Jay? Do you think we'll ever see something outside of three or four? I think three and four is like a good number to have uh, for the number of heroes. I think if you only have like one or two heroes, the format becomes very stale very quickly. And I don't think five heroes is going to happen because then one person will just be able to get all the cards for that specific hero. And I think that's just not a good balance reason. I'm not a game designer, but it's going to be hard for me to see a set where you can have more than like five heroes and be functional. Uh, but as I say this, at World, not World, sorry, at Nationals, there was a um, History Pack sealed event where you got to choose out of 
the uh, eight heroes from WTR or ARC and had to build a deck um, revolving around that hero and had to like follow all of their class cards and stuff like that. So that was pretty cool. Um, how, how many uh, how many packs did you end up getting for that event? Because I've never really I haven't really opened any history packs. We just get a box of history packs, so that's uh, thirty six packs total. But the packs are smaller; they're ten cards per pack. You get uh, three hundred sixty cards total. But I think one of the slots is a token slot that has a back, so you can open something like Anathos or like Bravo or I think just like a random token from that one of those sets. Okay, so interesting. So it's about nine cards per pack. Okay, so you you are getting like a bit larger pool than you normally would, which probably is why you can support more heroes. I think anytime you need to draft, like right now where you're drafting 42 cards and you need to play 30, there's kind of like an upper limit. I think going much beyond four is really challenging unless maybe like Aria, how there's three talents that's shared. Maybe if there was like a pool of like, five different talents and each hero had like access to three of them but i don't we don't have any set we don't have any talents that are set up like that so if you had like five elements and each hero had three you'd kind of have like different groups of three like three like five different groups of three i could maybe see that working but you need to have some way to have those heroes very connected and share a very large number of cards in order for it to um, really be viable i think also not a game designer though uh, let's move on to our main topic. Let's talk about Canadian Nationals. Uh, first off, how did you do, Yuki? I did pretty well. So coming out of Swiss, I was um, X and 2. So 5-1 in draft and 5-1 in CC. Um, the format of Canadian Nationals, for anyone who's not familiar, was uh, day one was three draft, sorry, three CC, and then six rounds of drafts with two different draft pods. Um, and then day two was three rounds of CC and cut to top eight, which was also CC. So day one ended up being very long. We were there from 10 a.m. until like 8 p.m. It was a little bit on the long side for me. But um, but yeah, overall, it was a good event. I finished top four, um, losing to Tarek Patel on, in the semis. Uh, he was on Oldham and I was on Icelander. And that, that game's on coverage if anybody wants to check it out. Uh, I think it's on Card of Magicka, uh, their, their Twitch stream. So pretty successful weekend. Didn't get to quite run back the uh, previous Nationals win, but still happy with a top four finish. Yeah, so that was pretty good. Uh, top four, losing to the U.S. National Champion last year. So at least until... By, around by the time this episode comes out, Tarek will be no longer the U.S. National Champion, or he'll be the U.S. National Champion for like two days, and then it'll be then he'll lose his title because he can't play U.S. Nats again. Yeah, so for one week exactly, he gets to be both, which is uh, pretty sick and a pretty cool storyline. And I think that if I was going to lose to somebody, it's like kind of like it's a, it's a cool storyline that I lose to, to Tarek and the semis like that. It feels very kind of, I don't know, epic or something. How'd the event go for you, Jay? Uh, I did pretty similar. I went... Yeah, so I went four and two in CC, and I went five one in draft. Uh, I have in that's a nine and three record that got me top eight. Uh, I think I came in sixth place overall. I did um, lose in top eight. So in the quarter, is it quarters, semis, quarters, quarters? Yeah, I did lose in quarters, uh, and uh, uh, my pairing was against Reinhardt. 
<laughs> yeah, so... Uh, and, and what hero were you, Jay? Oh, I was playing Olim. I don't think we asked your hero, too. I, I was on Icelander. Um, and if anybody's curious about the deck, there's a video and article on FabTCG um, talking about that deck. So there's a deck tech there if you're curious about it. Um, not really entirely my list. I kind of borrowed from some YouTubers and different people, but um, there's a few of my own ideas in there as well. So Yeah, so the deck I played was Oldham and... Uh, Yuki handed me a random deck list. I don't even think it was tuned or anything. Uh, she just handed it to me, and I played it. And it was... <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that list is not tuned, like, at all. Like, it was bad. I mean, so the, the list that I gave Jay was basically the list from the that one Battle Hardened Columbus, um, which I think was a good starting point and was probably a good list for uh, last week's Nationals, where people were... Kind of still like unsure that Oldham was that good, and thought maybe like Briar just off of the PT was still really good, and and I think that deck was really good into the aggro decks. But now that things have been shifting more control and more like I don't know, like Icelander, Dromai, Oldham dash focused, I think that the list are the the, the Oldham lists are also shifting. So maybe just slightly uh, not not tuned for our metagame, I suppose. Yeah, but it was great, and um, I'm actually going to tell you what exactly happened in top 8 for me. So, I think I have to start with... How do I even start this? So, Jay says that he lost in top 8, but that's not really quite telling the entire truth. Um, did, did How did your game go in top 8, Jay? So, when my, the judges handed me my deck to play in top 8, I was constructing a deck for a sealed event on the side events uh so i actually could not play top eight because i was in middle of deck building yeah and that was the <laughs> yeah so that was the uh aforementioned team sealed history pack event so so what drew you what what led you to that decision jay how did you decide to you know make top eight of nationals and decide to just essentially concede um and and play the team sealed event instead. What what made you go down that road? Okay, so as I said, I don't think the Oldham list was good. I think it was actually just actively not great. Um, I was playing it throughout the day. I was like every game I won was like super close. I think I do have an edge in the mirror when I play Oldham against other Oldhams, just through I think like I'm very good at memorizing my opponent's pitch stack. I'm very good at memorizing my own pitch stack and lining up Okinols on turns that they have good turns. Um, so I did play that very well, I think. But against the real, really good players and against some matchups like Reinhar, the Oldham Mir, that's like Carrick, that's not going to give me this opportunity to like outplay him, or Icelanders, my deck is just playing. My deck is just awful against all three of those decks, except for the five player. I think the Phi deck I have a good chance against, but everything else I thought was I was going to lose. So I actually waited until the top 8 announcement before I made the decision to drop, essentially. Not drop, but concede my first round. Because the only timeline that I get to play top 8 was if I got paired into the Phi player I was going to play, and against everyone else, I was going to concede the first round. And what drew me into the sealed event was first place prize was a cold foil Ira. A bunch of people in the room was just like, that Cold Foil Ira is worth like thousands of dollars. 
that prize is bigger than winning nationals. I'm very EV oriented, and I'm like, okay, my chances of winning the first round of top bay plus the EV of after I win, like basically aggregate EV. I calculated an estimate of like $150 EV. And then I calculated the EV of playing the team sealed event at around like 200 some dollars. And I was like, oh, this is just a clear, it's just in my mind at that point. After I made this calculation, I was just like, it's so clear to me. I should play this sealed event and I don't have to play CC. I get to play sealed instead of playing CC. This is like win-win situation. (laughs) So I dropped from top eight and uh, decided to play the sealed event. Uh, apparently, some people were confused, but you know, I was happy. I had a lot of fun. I lost to some legendaries, but I had a lot of fun. Yeah, fair enough. It did seem like a pretty cool event, and I uh, I wasn't willing to drop to play it, but I, I would have liked to have gotten the opportunity to play it. Um, I believe uh, some of our other locals, Nia, Eric, and then not a local, but Victor. Um, so some of our friends ended up splitting finals. Um, so congrats to them, I guess. And whoever they split with, I'm actually not entirely sure who they split with. Yeah, I don't exactly know either. But yeah, it's a, it's a big money card. So congratulations to them. How did... Um... What, very quickly, like, what, how did the event go? What what heroes did you did your team end up having? Uh, so we actually opened a legendary two, but we opened uh, Azalea's headpiece. Okay, that card is good, but we didn't really have like an arrow pool good enough to like support it. We we only had common arrows, so we decided not to play it. Uh, I ended up playing uh, Katsu, and Donkey was one of my teammates. He played. Bravo, and then we played Viscerai. None of our decks were like we didn't have any like insane cards in, in like in our pool. Uh, my Katsu deck was just like a Blitz Katsu deck essentially, just had all the right colors of all the right cards, um, Kodachiing every turn and attacking with uh, combo lines. Bravo was very simple; it was like a pummel deck with Bravo, and then Viscerai was just doing Viscerai things. So we just had like a three standard decks. Yeah. Fair enough. It sounded like some of the people who won or got close to winning had some pretty sick stuff. Like I heard, I heard like one of the Kanos had Storm Striders, and a bunch of teams had um, like like one of my friends said that he got CNC pummeled in multiple different games. So they they had like CNC, and then they're like, "Oh, we can do CNC pummel," which is just like pretty sick in a limited environment. Yeah, that that was me who got CNC pummeled in three different rounds. Okay, that was you. Yeah, I couldn't remember who it was, but it's uh, yeah, it's quite a beating. You can't even do that in uh, Arcane Rising because WTRs like pummels from WTR is a different set. So that's pretty. Uh, it must have been pretty brutal. Yeah, I got paired against three Bravos, and I beat. Uh, I beat one of them. I lost to two of them. Uh, my first loss was to basically I had to block out a Goliath Gauntlet Hardened Cross Trap CNC. Um, because my arsenal was a razor reflex and then he pummeled me and I lost my last card in hand and their arsenal and then on the next turn he pummeled me again and then I died <laughs> that is um, that's pretty good <laughs> and, and then the next round opponent I also lost because my bravo opponent had tectonic plating 
Uh, so he didn't actually get the Goliath Gauntlet, uh, Hard and Cross Trap CNC, but he did still go CNC into Pummel, and then I lost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. CNC Pummel with uh, Tech Plating is not bad, you know, not bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very good sealed pool. <laughs> okay, let's move on to... How did you like the, the CC format uh, in your top eight or just in general in Nats? Overall, I thought it was like a huge change from um, pre-Prism where aggro and specifically Briar was kind of like running rampant and decks weren't really, most decks weren't really blocking. There were some decks that blocked a lot, but um, pretty big change. The games were like all very technical and very grindy um, and very like mid-range. Like it feels like almost like back to like crew era pacing, except the decks are a little more powerful. Um, so that was kind of cool. I am would like to see a proactive deck kind of emerge, maybe Phi. I know that Phi won UK Nats and the list looked kind of interesting, like very red line, lots of four four zeros with Kodachis and less draconic focused. So I'm curious if there's a proactive deck out there that can compete with Oldham and the other sort of like control decks like Icelander, for example. I think those two decks are really giving aggro a hard time right now. So I'm hopeful that aggro can adapt because it. I just think it's cool if not every game is such a grind, but the games were a lot of fun and it was cool to see like very different decks doing well. Um, and it's pretty diverse too. I played against like a whole bunch of different stuff. Reinar, Oldham, Briar. There's a dash in top eight. What did you think? I'm not that big of a fan of just constructed in general, but uh, I thought... Just like being able to play the Oldham Mirror, I really enjoyed. Uh, I'm a very weird, or most people don't like the Oldham Mirror for some reason, but I love the Oldham Mirror. And I like all of my games ended with like 20 minutes left on time. And like we went to like third cycle, fourth cycle. So like I'm not a slow player. And when I play very quickly, my opponent tend to play quickly with me. So like it's, it's, it's like when you like don't take any like. When you stop tanking, your opponent stops tanking too, and it's like a really like good paced game, swinging sledge at each other, blocking for six, and I just like that kind of game. And like mo the main point of the game is to like pitch stack and like put the pummels where you want want it, arsenal it using the crown to like set up your pitch stack, and I like that kind of game. So I enjoyed a lot of that, but uh, I really did hate trying to play against uh, Phi because then you're just stressing every turn. Please don't have a sick combo line. Please don't have a sick line. And uh, and I also played against a Dash, which um, I was teching in one um, smashing good time. And I got to dominate my Glacial Fortress for and play smashing good time for 13 dominate. And I got to break one of his, like, um, ooh, I don't know what the item is called. It's the one that gives an extra power. Purifier, plasma purifier. Yeah. yeah, I got to break one of his plasma purifiers, and then because I got to break one, uh, I got to block out and like essentially deck him. Um, so that was good. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, overall seems like a pretty healthy CC metagame. Uh, we do have a BN banned and suspended announcement coming up after the last round of nationals here with like the US and New Zealand and some other countries as well. Um, personally, I'm not really expecting changes. But um, yeah. Any hot takes? Not really. I think Oldham's good. I 
I think that right now Oldham is probably the best deck or the deck to beat at least. It's not clear to me that it is like by far like far and away the best deck. I just think that in a lot of ways it's like an easier deck. The way it's constructed right now is just relatively straightforward to play into a lot of matchups. Like the Oldham Mirror is very skill testing, but your matchup into like your matchup into Icelander is like very, very straightforward as Oldham and very complicated and um intricate as Icelander. So I think that like as people develop other decks to play into Oldham, I imagine that he'll still be good, but I think that I don't think he's necessarily like out of line with the others in terms of power level. Yeah, I think that this might actually be pretty balanced. Yeah, I think I agree with all of what you just said. It's just like I don't see anything wrong with this format. Like people aren't going to time that often unless you're playing the Dromai mirror and other than that, it seems fine. Okay, let's move on to our draft portion. Um, We are a limited podcast, so let's go a little bit deeper into that. So let's start with, what did we draft? Or, sorry. So let's start with, what did you draft uh, in your draft pods, Yuki? I actually ended up on Dromai in both of my draft pods, which is not usually what I try to draft. Um but the first the first so my first pod i guess i can go into it a little bit um i actually opened an insidious chill pack one pick one which um, as we talked about on our top 10 list is like a huge reason to be icelander but uh pack one pick two i saw i got past a necria which is a pretty big signal in my book um i had necria very high on my list and additionally um i couldn't tell for sure but i noticed that like one of the commons out of the back was missing and it was a 222 split and because the packs are collated like i think like six, like two-thirds of the time it's an icelander card as the third card it means that there's likely an icelander common missing so i was pretty happy to just speculate on necria there also just wasn't like a really crazy icelander card either and then i just kind of kept getting like sweeping blows mirror guy blaze headlong just like really solid um draw my cards and it became pretty clear around pick like three or four that icelander was cut so i had this really nutty draw my deck i was actually like one of two draw but i got yeah my deck was easily the best draw my deck i've ever drafted and then second pot i also drafted draw um we'll talk about how that draft went later but um not not so good um Definitely like a little bit of a weird pod and a weird deck, but um, good enough to get the 2-1 in that pod. What was the breakdown in that pod? In that pod, um, we had one Icelander, four Fi, and three Dromai. Ooh. Yeah, so the Fi and Dromai decks were all pretty mopey and the icelander deck was absurd and and uh mike on icelander did end up winning the pod i actually had a pretty close game into him my deck did have some like a thamai two break the embers a sand cover and oasis respite i had the silent stilettos and silken form so i had some powerful cards that can give icelander trouble and the game was kind of close but i couldn't quite get there he had some good singes my rakes came a little too late so yeah, so for my drafts, uh, I played Icelander for both of my draft pods. Um, not something that I wanted to do, honestly, but I, I, I was expecting to force five both pods. 
And then I don't even know how I ended up in Iceland. Actually, I know exactly how I ended up in Icelander. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna rant a little bit and talk about this. So I'm gonna start off by telling you how the pod ended up being. My first pod, there was two Fies, two Dromais, and four Icelanders. And I was one of the Icelanders. So on my direct right is my friend Donkey. Uh he hasn't drafted too much of the set. And was like still like asking me questions about drafting uh, the set and like what cards to pick. But in pack one, he passes uh, pack pack one pick two. He passes me Spellfire Cloak, and then uh, I pick it because I really like that card. It was like my number one card in my top ten list. Pack one pick three, he passes me a Spellfire Cloak, and I'm like, okay, Donkey's probably not in. Icelander like there's just like almost no world where you pass double spellfire cloak and then move into Icelander I was very wrong about this assumption and he was in Icelander uh so it was really sick was that the two the four Icelanders were just sitting next to each other on opposite ends of the table so starting from me uh the pod going left left was um I was Icelander, then it was Fi Fi, Icelander, Icelander, Dromai, Dromai, Icelander. So this was just like a weird pod. Like people were just getting cut on both sides both times, essentially. And then just the Icelanders were just getting nothing. Uh, and then on my second pod, I just had a very regular Icelander deck. It was a very, very normal pod where we had two Icelanders, three Dromai, three Fi, and the Fi decks were very powerful. And then I had a good Icelander deck. Oh, sorry. I didn't uh, tell you guys what record I got. So in my first pod, I actually 3-0'd my draft pod. Uh, I actually don't know how I did it. Um, every game was... Like, I like our decks were awful, right? Like This is the uh, four Icelander pod, right? This is the four Icelander, yes. I was one of the four Icelanders, and I was the one who 3-0'd the pod. Uh, the first round, my opponent was Icelander Mir. It was a very close game. We both had a Spellfire Cloak, and I think I just edged him out with like slightly better reds and like a nicely timed um, Aether Ice Vein. And I played a Fi, beat it. Then played a Dromai in the last round, and I have no idea how I beat it, but I ended up beating it. And everyone was just like, "How did you do it?" and all I have to say about that game is there was a turn where I went pitch a blue, attack brother in arms into your Aether Ashwing. And I think that was the most important turn of that game. And that felt great. That felt great to be able to recognize and don't attack the face, attack the Ashwing for four. <laughs> yeah, the Dromai matchup is uh, pretty interesting. I think that people sometimes get too hung up on clearing the dragons, but also sometimes you absolutely need to clear the dragons and the Ashwings. So um, yeah, it kind of depends on your deck and like how the game is going, but definitely finding those spots feels um, very rewarding. Okay. Oh, and then I just want to say something about the second pod. Uh, the second pod, I went two in one, but my first round opponent uh, in the second pod was Dante. And in this second pod, I actually didn't get a Spellfire Cloak, and I was stressing out the whole time that I didn't get a Spellfire Cloak. And I know that Dante has a Spellfire Cloak, uh, from just talking to people in the in the draft, essentially. And so, Spellfire Cloak Icelander versus non-Spellfire Cloak Icelander is not close. Like, Spellfire Cloak is definitely broken. 
Yeah. Not only does it like just let you consistently save life when you have extra resources, but it also like on a crucial turn to close out the game or or just to pull ahead, you can always crack it as well. Uh, you do want to be conservative with it in that matchup because arcane barrier is so important. But um, the fact that it's like not only the only way to get arcane barrier, but also has offensive power is just um, like it's always a good card. But in the mirror, it's just it often make or breaks the matchup in my experience. So pretty impressive that you got there. How did yeah, I have uh, no idea how I won? Just like, <laughs> like I, I I got to the point of the game, and then when I realized, I was just like, I drew. Uh, I was like, oh, I do, I do like Aether Hail, Waiting Moon. I keep this Red Frosting in my hand as my last card, and I play it, and I win the game. And I'm just like, oh, like I just, it just, it just came together. And I was mind blown. I was honestly mind blown when I won that game. Yeah, wild stuff. Um, I know the Icelander mirror can be like a little bit weird in that sometimes you can have a good Icelander deck, but it can be like more built to beat up on Fies, where you have like, you know, like a lot of blues, like three for zeros, and you're like very modular. Um, and you're like pretty good at like blocking a bit and chipping a bit. But sometimes the Icelander mirror is just about big spells. And if you just have, you know, like Aether Ice Vein and then an Ice Bolt and then like an Aether Hail from Arsenal. You just do like a lot of raw damage. Like sometimes that's actually just um, better in the mirror. So kind of interesting. Okay. Uh, anything else you want to say about any of your games? Yeah, I can go into a little bit more detail. So the the first pod, I actually thought I was the only Dromai drafter at the table. Um Turned out I was passing to a Dromai, so I did have like a very favorable position. But even like on the going the like coming the other direction, it felt pretty good. And I was like wheeling yellow Ember Moss and applies. So it felt like my opponent, the player that I was passing to, I don't know what his deck was because he said that he didn't have dragons. And then I was also wheeling Senapies. So I'm a little bit confused about what he was drafting. Um, but yeah, my deck, my deck was absurd. Um, just all the red go again you could want. I had Necria, Miragai, Yendurai, and a Rake. And I also had Vincerakai and Uvia, um, which I didn't play in all matchups. So I could sideboard. I had full equipment, good suite of blues. Um, I think I had three Ember Moss Enterprise as well. I had like sand covers and Oasis for Icelanders. Um, my deck was to the point that, um, so we did like a deck registration where we traded decks and registered someone else's list. And the person who was looking at my list I think it was Demos, um, but somebody was looking at my list and they went, oh, Yuki's going to 3-0 this pod. <laughs> um, and I like heard him say that. <laughs> so yeah, it was a pretty nutty list. Um, I ended up playing all fives. Honestly, I think I won most games off the back of Necria just being this huge problem. Like if they ignore it, I can just block out my deck almost all blocks threes and it just hits them for four over and over again. If, and if they start hitting Necria, it's just so much damage that I'll just, you know, like sweeping blow into Ember Moss and a pie and they take a whole bunch of damage. So yeah, the deck felt pretty equipped to deal with five, but I did have some pretty close games like against David Rude. Um, Rude. one of my games came down to, he could either deal with my Necria and I think he was at eight. Um, or he could ignore my Necria and hit me because I had already blocked with my entire hand, but he could only put me to one. And he wasn't sure which one to do. Uh, he ended up clearing the Necria. And because I was at five life, I found a spot to 
I don't know, I forget, like just kind of chip him out. I think I resolved a rake and just locked him out with dragons at some point. I think also threw like a Ember Moss and a Pi at him. So yeah, even though I had the really good draw my deck, the games were extremely tight, um, as they often are against Fi. What about your feature match uh, on camera? You had one of there, right? Yeah, so I had a feature match against Tarek um, round seven. So that would have been the first round of draft with the uh, second Dromai deck that I drafted, which I mentioned was not as good. Um, I did have like two rakes, Amiragai, Thamai, Kyloria, which I mentioned. I had most of the equipment. I didn't have Quelling Slippers, but I had Stilettos, Silken Form, Sash. So all of that sounds great. And I have like a red Findles, a red desktop. But the problem with this deck is that I only had 28 playable cards in my pool. And I don't mean like, I'm talking about like cards that I could legitimately put in my deck. Like I'm playing a yellow Oasis, a yellow Flex, a yellow Sigil of Protection. My blues are like, I have a blue Healing Bomb and a blue Scar for a Scar in this deck. I have a yellow Sift, like <laughs> they're not good cards. Um, I ended up playing two Phoenix Flames. I think I boarded one of them out for a bobble against um, against Icelander just for the higher resource count. But like half of my deck was good and half of it was very, very bad. Um, and that just kind of came from the pod being really strange. So um, I'll talk about it a bit. I had one of the best first packs I've ever seen. Um, it had... Red Brother in Arm, Red Findles, Spellfire Cloak, which I was very tempted to take, but it also had a Red Aether Ice Vein, a Red Aether Hail, and I believe it was like a blue frosting or cold snap. It was like a premium Icelander blue. And then it also had a, uh, a Blaze Headlong as well. And um, those were kind of the cards that stood out to me. And normally I would just take the Spellfire Cloak, but I remember we had kind of reviewed Matt Rogers' uh, draft and uh, there actually was a yellow sweeping blow in this pack, funnily enough, uh, but I, I didn't take that card. I ended up taking Findle's Fighting Spirit and then cutting Dromai after that because it was a little bit weird in that like, I knew the two people passing to me were Fi, and then I knew the person after that was Icelander, and I knew the person after that was Tarek, uh, who is also Dromai. So I knew there'd be like a Dromai on the other side of the table, an Icelander, and then two Fi's because... I just happened to be passing, getting passed to by a bunch of people that I knew that have very strong preferences. And so my thought process is, well, if I'm the other Dromai, I can probably push the people that I'm passing to out of Dromai and put them on Icelander by passing them these this really nutty Icelander pack. The problem is, is um, this kind of confirms like what we were talking about before, where sending signals can be kind of sketchy. Even though this is pod one of nationals, and this is the second pod where people have already presumably like two one or three would their pod, even though that's the case, none of the people I was passing to ended up moving into Icelander. I think it was uh, Phi, Dromai, Phi to my left. So I don't know how that Dromai wound up in Dromai. Um, and the person to my left even said, oh, I wish I had gone Dromai. And it was like, what? Like, how do you wish you went Dromai? So... Um, yeah, maybe if you're drafting at like the pro tour, you can have a little bit more faith on it, but a lot of people just aren't that strong at draft. And I think that, you know, rather than trying to send signals and cut Icelander and go in for like 
dust up and like a senapai. I did get like a Kyloria and a sweeping blow, so it wasn't terrible. But I think like I could have navigated that draft differently and left myself a little bit more open like I normally would have. And that would have actually let me pivot into Icelander and get a much better deck than I ended up getting. So I don't know, a bit of a rant, but just I'm not going to rely on sending signals and my opponents actually being able to read signals again because people just do whatever they want. And maybe I should have figured that out because I already knew the four people passing to me are just going to do whatever they want regardless, like especially. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> um, anyways, enough about that. My game against uh, Tarek was the Dromimir. And they had asked someone else to go on camera, and I don't know what happened with the match, but they ended up asking us as a backup. And we're both kind of like, yeah, I guess so, because we both knew that our deck sucked. <laughs> um, and we both knew that there's three Dromais at the, at the table, so we're just like, this is not going to be great. The game was real weird. I ended up going second and I had like a pretty good start. Like I think I got a like hit him pretty hard at the start. But we started doing like really bad plays. Um like, like not like misplays, just like I end up playing like a blue transmogrify into like a blue sweeping blows and attacking for six. And this is my three card hand. Um I end up like having to pitch a red to play my yellow oasis respite to block his senapai for three and i have more life than him so i don't even get the life gain but i get like the ash because my deck is so bad at generating ash that i actually can't i'm like having trouble resolving my dragons and i'm having to pitch them to get ash so that i can play them on the second cycle wow um at one point, I arsenal a flex, so I have go again, and I can play my yellow flex out, and I go, no, 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 no. This match is really grindy, and our decks are bad. I need to arsenal this card. I need to find a chance to pitch two into it so I can attack for five instead of three. And I think it actually... Wow. <laughs> wow, that's so big. I, didn't even, I, I haven't watched this game yet, but um, I heard from a bunch of people that that Yuki and Tarek... Oh, sorry, Yuki and Tarek, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yuki and Tarek was throwing bad cards at each other for 45 minutes or 35 minutes. Pretty much. And we were just like half laughing, half groaning most of the time of being like, just staring at our hands and being like, is this really the play to make here? Wow. Our decks are so bad. And then we're like talking about <laughs> how we felt bad for the viewers and stuff. It was pretty funny. It was a fun game. Um, did you uh, so who ended up winning i ended up getting there um i think having the dragons really helped there was kind of this like really pivotal pivotal that's the word there was a very pivotal time where he had started quelling my ash wings because i resolved my first red rake i was kind of leaning on him not having two red rakes because like I, I had two and i was leaning on him having like at most one so I had resolved a red rake. He was quelling with his silken form. And I've never really played the Dromai Mirror before, actually, or maybe one time. And I didn't realize that I probably should have kept my Ashwing back so that when he transforms his Ashwing, I can just kill it, which means he probably just like wouldn't transform it to conserve the Ash. But instead, I attack, and he ends up like getting a free kill on one of my Ashwings, essentially gaining a life. 
And then he ends up like playing his own like yellow rake into like a red oasis on his turn to get go again and clear my ash wings, which is actually like a big problem because sometimes like when you're when we're both getting decked because we can't assert pressure, um, whoever gets the last dragon is the one that's going to win. Um, but I end up coming back with like a Kyloria and then my Rake the Embers on the second cycle. And then I've pitched, as I mentioned, I was pitching some reds to generate Ash because my deck doesn't actually have that many reds. So I was like getting dust ups back with my strategic planning. I was pitching my mirror guy. What? Was, yeah. It was wow. <laughs> it was You're a lot. strategic planning for strategic planning? No, 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 no. I had a blue one. I was strategic I know, but- planning a dust up. I know, but like you're playing that card to like actually not like to play a card again. That's like insane to me. Look, wow. when you're getting decked, if you can upgrade your blue into a red dust up, it's big game. I ended up blocking for three with that dust up and going to one and getting to pivot because of it. It was sick. Wow, that's that's mind blowing to me. Also played a red sand cover on my turn to give my stuff go again. Like we were like running out of reds to go go again. Like my red sift, best card. It was so good. It like <laughs> it gave me stuff go again. <laughs> Let me hit him. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Okay, let's uh, move on. I think. Or did you have another game you want to talk about? Um, my second game was against Phi. I don't really know how I won. I was like way behind. So like both our decks were bad, but bad fight gets Ember Blade. And I ended up just like taking a bunch of damage to play Mirror Guy and Themai when I could because I was just like, I, I don't know how I can compete on value. I need to do these and like play Rake and hope it's good enough. And he just ended up like kind of bricking and like having to like pitch a blue to Phoenix Flame and start his turn kind of stuff. And I somehow just, like, I think at, like, one point he decided to, like, like, he just had this, like, weird turn where he decided to hit my mirror guy with a breaking point when I was at five. Probably because my deck wasn't doing anything all game. And then that is, like, the one hand where I have a red flame call awakening into an Ashwing attack into a yellow Ember Mom when he's starting the turn at seven, and it just totally flipped the game. But, like, I thought I was going to lose for sure. So, I don't know. I don't really know how I won the game, but I guess when both your decks are bad and somebody bricks, it anything can happen <laughs> i think the, the part i love about just this episode in general like our podcast episode is we we just went i don't know how it won but i did and then you're, you're like i don't know how it won but i did so that's that's pretty funny honestly we're just like not really sure our deck's bad we typically like if, if we played in vancouver we just play with a bunch of sickos so when we have bad decks we never get to win <laughs> But at Nats, it was like I think the 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 people weren't as comfortable in draft format. So even when we did brick and like have a bad deck, we had a good chance. We had a good fighting chance to like still three zero the pod. Yeah, and I think it's important to remember that when you have a pod like I do, like I did, where my deck sucks because everybody's fighting over the same cards. There's four Fi and three Dromai. Yeah, you're not going to have a good time against the Icelander, but everybody's deck is bad. And like, I think it's like really easy to give up in that spot. But, you know, 
Um, this is part of the reason like playing in pod is great. Is like, had I played that deck into like another pod where they drafted more correctly, I probably would have just gotten smashed. But because I'm playing as other people in the same pod where everybody's train wrecking, yeah, it's actually not as bad as you think. And sometimes you can get a win or two out of nowhere and going one two or two one instead of oh three is a is a huge difference in a big tournament like this okay uh, i'm just gonna one thing i just wanted to say just shout out to the vancouver crew like <clears throat> we crushed the draft portion at nats uh so notable people was ian and clay they both made top eight of the nationals uh both on reiner uh both of them are sickos and uh ian six out his draft pod or he 3 0 both his draft pod. One of it, the reason I went 5-1 was because I lost to Ian in this Icelander versus Fi game. Um, and he fatigued me out. And that's I just didn't have any more cards. And he just got to Ember Blade me to, to death. Um, but congrats on that 6-0. Clay 6-0. I actually don't know any of his game, but apparently he 6-0'd. And then myself and Yuki uh, went 5-1 as we already said. Uh, I think Eli went 5-1. I'm not exactly sure, but he didn't get to do too well in CC portion, so he didn't get to really play for top 8, but he did very well in his drafts. And Eric, um, this is Eric K, who got ninth place at Nationals, uh, also went 4-2. And I actually don't know how Eric Lehrer did. Uh, I know he did pretty well. I think he went... I think he might have gone five one. He not entirely the, sure. He lost to Ian. Yeah, I know he lost one game for sure. I think he went five one or four two. Okay, yeah. So he he crushed as well. Yeah. Also, um, not just in draft. Um, so our nationals was about ninety people. We had eleven. Oh, it was one hundred and ten people. It was one hundred and ten. Okay, even more. We had eleven people from BC. So that's like ten percent. No, we no as well. That's that's not true because we there was a like Kelona players there too. Oh, were there? Yeah, there were some Kelona players there. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I didn't realize. I guess there was eleven players from BC that are like from our area and usually show up to our RTNs. Um, although that might change. The Kelona players might start traveling. I know that they've picked up the game um, a little bit more recently. But of that kind of like lower mainland, like close to Vancouver and the island, we had eleven players and four of us made top eight which is just amazing and ian made it all the way to finals i made it to semis and then jay conceded to ian in quarters and um, clay played against me in the quarters only one of us could move on to semis so yeah just really cool to see the local like i've been saying this for a while that i think our locals is really strong and the reason that a lot of the people are not known is just because there hasn't been very many events and i think that this event really kind of showcased that for me that our locals is extremely strong and there's a lot of very very talented players so and i suspect a lot of places are like this honestly like if you don't have a calling nearby that makes sense to go to like you just don't have an opportunity to show up and crush it you know you can't do well in an event you don't play in yeah i also just want to shout out eric k uh because he got ninth place uh he lost the last round against clay for the winning in i think that's also on stream it was uh, Bravo versus Reinhardt. I heard that was a good game to watch, so you should check that out as well. Yeah, it is uh, quite the game. There, there's, um, it, it has a very exciting finish, and the, the game is uh, pretty wild to watch. I'd, I'd encourage people to go back and watch it. 
Okay, uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, are there any takeaways from these drafts, or would you do something different at Worlds this time? I think I would just trust myself and kind of go back to my strategy of just pick the good cards that I want to play and try to find, try to read signals and pick up the deck that is being underdrafted and do that. I know that you can get punished for staying open too long, but I think that ultimately, if you can find the underdrafted deck, you're going to do better more often than not. And trying to send signals is just, even though it's worlds and it's high level, I just... Uh, you don't believe it? I don't believe it. Unless I know. Like Maybe if I know the people I'm passing to are very, very good, I'd feel a little bit different. But if there's somebody that I don't recognize the name of, I'm just going to assume that it might be like my second pod where there's four fives and one of them is cutting me on draw my cards. I'd rather not put myself in that position where I'm just like praying. And by cutting me on draw my cards, I mean just because like he doesn't want to play against it. I don't know how he had the time to pick it. I don't know what his deck was like, but decisions you were made. You got cut. Um, what about you, Jay? What did you end up feeling about the draft format? I think myself, I, I, I was pretty happy of how I did. Um, like my first draft, I was getting massively cut. And because I still was able to identify the stronger cards for Icelander and picking up, I think I, I think I just made the right choices of like picking up the right cards at the right timing. So even though there was four Icelanders in my pod, that I got the better versions of all the cards that people were wanting. Um, and like my priorities were right. And I was trying to wheel like the cards that people wouldn't naturally want, like Sigil of Protection Blues and stuff like that. was pretty happy with myself and like, I got into the spot where I could draft really strong decks, and then my second draft pod was perfect, and then I just lost uh, to Ian because he was able to fatigue me in a very, very, very close match. Like he had his pitch stack. Like it's crazy for me to say that the five player had a good pitch stack against the Icelander player because he was probably thinking about this uh, playing against me. So shout out to Ian. Like, like really, like he he had some like. He had some hands where it's just like, oh, like I just can't kill him because I know his hand is going to be like two blues, a yellow, and a red. And he gets attacked with the red and the ember blade and keep up like five resources for the AB and the quells and stuff like that. It was just crazy. But yeah, like he played re- he played that game real well. Uh, but either way, like I think both of my drafts went well for that situation. And I'm just going to do the same thing at, at Worlds. Uh, I did get my Worlds invite because I did top eight this... Uh, Canadian Nationals. I finally got my PTI, which is, oh my god! I worked. Uh, I re- I was really happy when I locked in my top eight. I was just like popping off. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty BM at like just like being able to like stay calm after like losing <laughs> or winning. Uh, but yeah, I was just like I, the moment I attacked and he just like you know my opponent in the last round died for my winning in. I just like popped off, yelled, and just like, I'm pretty sure people heard me. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I was uh, super excited for you and, and for everyone else, all of our locals who who crushed it. Um, that was awesome. Oh, yeah, maybe uh, one more thing. Uh, gold foils. What did you end up doing with your gold foil? Or what are you going to do? Did you open it? Uh, no, I didn't open it. I, I already shipped it out. Um, so today is Tuesday. Uh, I just landed in Vancouver uh this like afternoon and went to straight went straight from the airport to work and then went from work back to my home and i'm recording this podcast right now but the 
but the gold foil is already in the mail to its new owner. I have never, I haven't opened it yet. I was able to sell it for two thousand Canadian dollars, which is pretty cheap. But that's the kind of person I am. I always sell all my all my prizing pretty cheap. I want people who wants it to get it, and I want the money right away. So I don't want to sit on it. Then I ship it out. So it's it's all shipped out. What about you? What did you open? Yeah, so I'm kind of the opposite of Jay. I usually like opening my my gold foils and. I've been keeping them so far. Um, part of it was like my first one was Heart of Ice, and I don't know. It seems like kind of a good card, but it's not really seeing play right now. So I was kind of like, yeah, maybe it'll be relevant later and worth more later. This time I opened Alluvian Constellus, which I'm sort of torn about. It looks amazing. Um, it is kind of fitting because I was playing Icelander and I've been enjoying that deck, so I could I could play it. But it's also just like a sideboard card that you only play against viscerai and the mirror and i guess kano if you run into a kano so i'm a little bit torn on that card uh what to do with it i might keep it i might try and ship it later i don't think it's worth that much though um i'm sort of in this like weird spot where like i have these gold foils and i have these cards that are worth money and i'm almost just not that motivated to sell it i have uh I guess like right now for me, like money is mostly just being saved and invested periodically. So it's like, uh, I got more money to invest and then that's fine. But like having it in a card is like also kind of an investment. So it just doesn't feel, feel that urgent. Um, of course it could go down, but all investments are like that. So I don't know for now, hanging on to it. Um, haven't totally made up my mind. It does look nice though. All right. Have you not thought about playing with the uh, Heart of Ice and Alluvian Constellus? Cause those are Icelander cards, right? Alluvian is Heart of Ice, not so much. Uh, Tunic is just insane in Icelander, and anytime you're not playing Tunic, it's probably because you're playing Alluvian. Like, if you really want the Arcane Barrier, you're going to play Alluvian. I guess I could play Heart of Ice in my Lexi deck, so my Lexi deck has the Gold Foil New Horizon, which I do plan to keep. Actually, also a Gold Foil Voltaire. I'm, I guess I don't own it currently, but um, I'm going to be trading it to a friend of mine for uh, PTI um, since, I don't know, Good friend. I'd like for him to be able to go to Worlds. Um, I kind of want the Gold Foil Vortair anyways, so it just feels like it's kind of win-win, and why wouldn't I do it? Um, also, I the ELO has updated, and I'm fortunate enough to be in a spot where I should be qualifying for uh, Worlds based on ELO, either constructed or... like Currently, both of them, and I don't think it's going to shift that much in the last week of Nationals, so... Yeah, no, no way you, no way you drop from both limited and constructed Elo because you're like thirtieth on constructed, twentieth on limited, right? Something like that, twenty something. I don't think I, I think I'm like twenty, twenty five, maybe. So yeah, I, I just kind of why not, you know? Yeah, fair enough. Let's uh, wrap it up. All right. Um, so thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you have any questions that you want answered on the show, um, please comment on our most recent YouTube video, and uh, we'd be happy to get it on the show and read it out. Um, you can also submit your questions on my Twitter, that's at Yukili Bender, or you can email questions to onthebobble at gmail.com. Um, we'd love to hear from you, just really whatever you have to say, feedback, comments, questions. Um, likes, subscribes, any way you want to engage with the show really does help us out. It helps um, helps, get so, helps get us noticed. And uh, if you want to help us out, you can also 
tell your friends about the show if you're enjoying it and uh, recommend them to watch it. Uh, just the more people talking about the show and interacting with it, the better. And um, I really appreciate everyone's support. So uh, I finally got to meet with uh, Nia, which was like Yuki's playtest partner. Yeah, originally uh, Eric's playtest partner for Last Nats, and then I I playtested with him for the PT and since, since PT New Jersey. Okay, yeah. So I learned he plays like all the other random card games like I do, uh, and... Uh, he promised me that we will play some GOAT format Yu-Gi-Oh! for all of those people that know that. I don't know if many people know it, but it's essentially like some very old format that Yu-Gi-Oh! players love to play. And I was really happy that there was some other fab player that also plays GOAT. And now, now we promise that we both bring GOAT to Worlds so we can play it like during our off time or something. So I'm actually pretty excited about that. And what's really funny is uh, this weekend, uh, so the 25th, uh, in Vancouver, there's a GOAT format tournament. like Just like a local, like a $5 local or whatnot. Not not really big prizing or anything like that. And uh, yeah, now I'm going to like actually go and start building a deck for GOAT. And like I'm going to work a little bit on this thing. And I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, it's kind of funny. I was telling, I've told Nia about Jay and I was like, I kind of want them to meet because I feel like there's just like some of the similarities like in the card games that they like and maybe even just uh, like kind of personality wise. I don't know what it is. I just kind of like had a feeling that you two would get along and it feels like uh, that's very much the case. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Nia, Nia's sweet. I, I like him. I like him a lot. And he drove me back to the hotel, and I was just like, "Okay, like you, you're you're like like I'm a fourth favorite person now. Like it just, just <laughs> not, not nothing beats that." <laughs> yeah, for sure. And uh, I guess like shout out to Nia. Just um, I ended up flying into Toronto because I didn't want to have a seven hour layover, which. About a month later, um, Jay and a bunch of my locals ended up booking that same flight with a seven-hour layover. So they all ended up playtesting at the airport, and I could have done that, but I didn't realize at the time I booked. So I flew into Toronto instead, and Nia picked me up and drove me to Ottawa and back, and also let me um, crash at his place on the Sunday night before my flight and drove me to the airport. So yeah, Nia just really solid guy and really helped me out. So yeah, big shout out to Nia. Yeah, and for people who don't know who he is, he's the winner of Battleheart in Toronto. Is that right? Yeah, winner of Battleheart in Toronto, which feels like kind of where Icelander really started to take off after Viserai rotated out and um, Oldham got the Crown of Seeds ban and the kind of like the most modern uh, Blitz format. So he was sort of part of who popularized it. I'm sure other people played it at skirmishes as well. Okay, yeah. So I just wanted to say, yeah, good guy. I like him. (laughs) Anything else you want to add? No, I think that about wraps it up. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, good night. Bye-bye.